Is it possible at the college level to develop straight line speed or face-off skills? Uh, well, it depends where you're starting from. There's face-off skills for sure, and I, I get what I get what he's getting at there. You know, the- <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA, with your host Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath. Dustin Lindstrom and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode 28 of season three of the Chasing McNaughton podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. And Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. Uh, Matt Cavender may or may not be joining us later. I'm not really sure. He said he he had something come up. I don't know if he'll be out the whole time or not because we don't really know how long this will go or how busy he'll be. So, uh, after taking last week off due to traveling back from Colorado, we reached out to head coach of the Huskies, Joe Sean, to wrap up the season. It's nice to finally figure out a time that worked well to have you on the podcast, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, great. Thanks. I think you see, I don't know, this recorded my, I'm using my daughter's computer, so that's why it says Rachel on it. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been Myra Gilbert okay. more times than one, Joe. Uh, <laughs> uh, this week, we'll reflect on the season, uh, the regional in Loveland, look ahead to the transfer portal and the next season. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Let's get right into things. Joe, um... We can just start with uh, Mike's question since the season's over. Our columnist, Mike Antleiter, wanted to know, how do you rate this year's team compared to like the first team you were part of at Michigan Tech, the 2014-15 team? Um, the, I think there's some similarities in some ways. Uh, I, th- I think that the uh, that team, the, the first team, uh, had, had a, a little bit more depth. Um, in some ways and we especially probably on the back end um where we had uh you know those first two years we had uh, a group of a group of sophomores with shane hannah and then a, a freshman in maddie roy um or maybe a junior in shane hannah sophomore in maddie roy and and uh you know we had lives on that team um Cliff Watson. We had a our back end was more mature. Now we we had some we have some we had some players certainly on the back end this year, but that back end drove it really drove uh, drove a lot of the team. And then you, you, know, you obviously uh, have an explosion year out of Tanner Caro, and you know we had a couple forty point scores I believe on that team as well, and in, in Tanner and in Alex Patan like we did this year. Um, so there's similarities. Neither neither team really I think in in honesty neither team. Uh, really um, respectfully won anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, neither team won the, you know, we didn't really have the GLI type scenario and neither team won anything, but both teams uh, qualified for the national tournament. were very good teams and both teams performed. I felt extremely well at the national tournament, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways had the upper hand. So similarities, 
um, yet yet some differences as well. Would have loved to have combined the two. I know you talked a little bit on the show last week to wrap up your the Joe Sean hour talking about the like how much of a struggle it seemed to be for some of the guys to to get over the mental hurdle of feeling like it's it's a bigger challenge than it probably was facing a team like Duluth that had won the NCHC. What what can you do going forward to help with that? You know, I, that that's a that's a good question. One one you know you ponder all the time. We you know we we I thought we discussed it well. I thought we did a really good job uh, and had time to do so in our game planning. I thought the guys uh, we had we had really good practices, high compete level, um, high energy, good execution, uh, and I think for the most part. Overall, the team was was uh, ready to play overall, and I, you know, but I do think that there were some individuals um, that, you know, us as a staff were looking for as as keys, you know, some some uh, you know important to us, and some um, you know more important, I guess, than others to us that we're looking for. How are they going to settle in? And uh, you know, there was certainly you could tell there were jitters right from the very first shift on a couple. And, uh, but I thought that we got through the first period and that was the important thing. And that uh, we were really good the last two periods. We had a chance uh, Duluth by our, by, by my count, 17 to two in the last two periods. They had one chance in the second, one in the third. And that's almost uncalled for. And, the, you know, obviously the one in the third was the, was their second goal. Um, so uh, that was a gimme. And, and actually their one, their chance in the second period was really a, uh, a little bit of a breakdown. That's where they had the player all alone in front of the net, if you recall, and a puck went to the yep. point. And, and that play was supposed to go differently and uh, on a read, and it didn't. So, so we were all, you know, we were all zigging, and the puck zagged, and uh, and that left a man wide open. So, um, so, but but giving up that and generating the scoring chance we generated um, in those last two periods. That's that's kind of why I asked so often about, as you'll get to, I'm sure the Hallinan play, um, you know, it wasn't, you have to just play through it. I thought we played through it and I didn't really want to even talk about that because, uh, you know, we got in the penalty kill there and the guys that we put on the ice were very good on the penalty kill on that three minutes of uh, power play off the back end of the five of the five minute major. Um, I thought our guys, the guys that we had out there did a good job and then kind of settled I thought settled the tempo down in some ways that, hey, you know, these guys aren't, uh, you know, aren't maybe what, what we were worried about. And I, I can tell you as someone that was around for the second, you know, for the second day of games and the championship game there, the regional final, right? Yeah. All we heard wearing our tech jerseys was you guys are the better team in the second half of the game and Duluth is lucky to be still playing. You know, and it's anybody that was watching saw the chances as lopsided as they were and just watch Fanti do his thing, unfortunately. Yeah, he was good. He was the real deal, for sure. He made some tremendous saves, and he actually uh, kept them in the game, gave them somewhat of a chance against Duluth the next, or against uh, uh, Denver the next, uh, the, on the next one on Saturday. He was he was tremendous. You know, they had a, a tough bounce off a of backboard. Yeah, right. We can't get one of those on in the tournament, though. The only we? way they scored on him was by not <laughs> shooting on him. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that then and Tim, you hit it perfectly. It, you know, I had a real low point in the year, uh, 
against after the Lake State, the first time we played Lake State, where we played so well and and lost in overtime, and it was, you know, I'm, I'm looking back and I'm like, I I, I don't want to go through this again like we went through a year ago. Because in all honesty, in my my feeling was, we were a better, tighter team overall consistently the year before. We just couldn't score, guys. guys yeah. We just couldn't score. But we we were uh, a dominant, dominant hockey team the year before where I thought we had some holes in some ways at different times, especially through the month of February. They crept in through that stretch that we had in, in this year. And we were able to get it back for the for the national tournament. Um, but I, I was really down at uh, at that point. I didn't want to go through that again. Um, so we made some we, we actually made some changes, knowing that you do the same thing over. You're going to get the same result. Um, and, and that, you know, I think we found a little bit of a, a recipe this year that helped us through and, and helped us change a little bit, but Tim's absolutely right on the national tournament The come, you know, there comes a point where you can't just say enough is enough and good enough is good enough. You, you, you need to get the result. And that's where I, I did an interview actually today. I don't even know who it was for, for on behalf of Mankato and, you know, they, they've had, you know, they've had a little bit of a slow progressional growth. Mankato has, um, you know, a beginning there, a couple steps backwards and then more steps forward to the point now where it's a gradual um, increase by them doing everything they can to eliminate every opportunity that can catch them. And uh, that's why I feel good about them and confident in them going into this tournament that uh, they don't play to, they don't play for chance. Um, they play for, uh, they play, play, play for result and, control what they can control and stick to that, which is defending first. And, and they found the recipe to score goals as well. So, but they can win one, nothing as they did in the regional game. And we've had, I mean, I don't know if there's been four goals scored total in the last, in any game in the last three years against them in our games, they're always two, one seem to always be two, one as a matter of fact. Well, well, I know one of the big things we talked about a lot in Colorado was about how, how little, Michigan Tech was talked about on the show to, to, to set up the tournament. But then when they talked about Mankato in one of the games, they pointed out how Mankato has trailed like 90-some minutes in their last 10 games. And 40-some of those are against you guys in the series in, in Houghton. And yeah. it was like, how do, how, do they, how do they come up with that stat? Yet they couldn't talk about any of that going into it. You know, like it's it's just funny how – and then I know Starman made some comment about how uh, Hastings compared you guys to Notre Dame. And I was like, well, yeah. Do you, do you not really know the history there of why Joe partially plays the way he does? It's, you know, there's a relationship there with, uh, with the coach at Notre Dame that you guys kind of, you've kind of gotten some of your style from him and, and, uh, and it's just kind of yeah. funny how those little things you know, don't get brought up. And it was like, well, yeah. And I, I mean, and we played Mankato four times and scored on them all four times and Notre Dame couldn't. So it, it was kind of, that was kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, well, you something. know, there's something else that there's something else that, <clears throat> excuse me, is, uh, you know, it's not disappointing, but you're, you're looking at a selection show um, aired, I believe on ESPNU, right. I think it was on. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and, and you get get a commentator that, and, and he's a good man. He's a good man. That, but, but he comes out twice, twice, and openly says that uh, you know he wasn't able to give proper uh, research to 
other leagues because he was spending so much time because he's employed by the NCHC. So, so that, that's one part of it, you know, and I, and I actually put a tweet out on that (laughs) to that regards. Like, I hope you put, uh, Uh I hope, I hope you put more time in learn the other teams better because it'll make a, it'll really make for a good final four broadcast if you're doing it. And I don't know if he's doing it, but yeah. then I got blocked. Comes, what's that? I got blocked. I can't talk to him anymore. <laughs> oh, well, and then, and then the other side of it, that, then it comes out and, and the same individual is talking about the Hobie Baker and, and how he, this is his favorite meeting and, and how it was such a great Hobie Baker selection thing and all that. And, and I'm thinking to myself, you're on the Hobie Baker committee and doing that, and you're openly saying that you don't know the other teams and the other personnel in other leagues. And I think that that, you know, that that almost says to me, as as a Hobie, you know, as someone who gets to vote on the Hobie, I'm just going to vote for our guys. I'm just going to vote for our league and for our guys because that seems to be what's going on. Like, yeah. do some research, like we all do, and find out who's the best player. Well, and that and, was that was the point that we made a lot on the on the on our tweets to to him was about like it doesn't take much to just say michigan tech hobie baker finalist brian hallinan who run rat, talk about his stat line or however high he is in scoring and we had a richter semifinalist, and we have some of the best special teams in the country it doesn't take much to figure that out and you don't need to go deeper than that because you are the guy for a different league like it, it but it doesn't take that much to figure it out Especially when you're getting paid to do it. Right. And then my favorite thing was like the day after all that went down, he posted like the, the shot chart for goals for Ryan Sandlin for Minnesota state from Instat. And I'm like, if you've got access to the Instat stuff, I pulled up Brian Hallinan's goals chart and it doesn't look a whole lot different than Ryan Sandlin's, but he couldn't be bothered to do that before Sunday after evening. So yeah, but you know what? My my hope, obviously, going in was that I mean, really, in honesty, that stuff doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it does matter in in the sense of, um, first of all, you want a professional broadcast or telecast. Um, but it does matter for, you know, athletics is is the, you know, oftentimes the gateway into a university. And when when right. and when you're having an opportunity, good or bad, I guess to, uh, you know, to get your name. To get to get the name out, I, you know, I guess good. You want, you would like that opportunity to be taken, not not for individual credit, but for for recognition for the university because that is, you know, that is an important part of what we do. Yeah. Well, and then a lot of the the clapback that we got from other people for our comments was about how, you know, I don't know the typical. I think they, most of them were Michigan fans, weren't they? I don't know, but we got a lot of it, like, you know, Michigan Tech you're usually golf well you commented on that or somebody cal i think commented on the fact that somebody said we're usually golfing this time of year and i think cal replied from the mtu account saying something about golf no we still have snow for another month (laughs) uh but it's just funny how like michigan tech's made as many ncaa tournaments as michigan has in the last eight years like yeah i know i've been there for four of them I yeah. think that's that's all of them. You know, we've been, mm-hmm. we've been. You know, I had I was on a call with some friends last night. One one of them's a coach on, in a in a, another league, but it's guys I went to college with, and we were they were together, and so they were we were all t- having a chat, and and uh, the, my friend said, "Well, how was it? Uh, how did you you enjoy the experience? Um, kind of being there for the first time?" I said, "Paul, we've been there four times." 
and he said, "Oh, well, how's how's it feel to be there for the fourth time?" Yeah. So, well, I, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't missed one yet. Yeah, <laughs> I made three of them. I think I missed Bridgeport because Dustin and I went to every playoff game that year, or almost every playoff game that year. So, and in three of them, we've done very well. I didn't, I didn't, you know, the the Denver game at uh, in well, Cincinnati. Where, where, in Cincinnati was yep. was kind of similar to this one in in that um, our penalty well Denver's power play was with uh, Butcher and those guys was was uh, you know number one in the country and on fire and uh, we really relied we were we actually got our penalty kill I think up to one or two in the country that year and uh, but it was really primarily due to Mike Neville and Reed Sturros as a rotation that killed a good portion of it off much like we did this year with Arvid and and uh and Bretzman and bots um and then Mike went down he blew his knee the first shift of the game and and that really set the bench back and then two times in the first period um that Neville hurt hurt his knee I think I don't know if I said that but Neville blew his knee and yeah. then Sturros was in the penalty box twice well all of a sudden we have different personnel on the ice and they scored and I think they went up like five five one on us yeah. Or for nothing or something, but we ended up coming. It was five two at one point. We were hitting goal posts and crossbars, and we were playing well in that game as well at the end. And I remember telling Mel, like, I don't know, seven minutes left in the game. I said, "Let's get the goalie out." You know, what I mean, like, we're not playing for tomorrow. And this was, uh, <laughs> and Mel didn't have, have any interest in that. Like, we didn't. I was still always wonder why we didn't at least try, you know, to get the goaltender out because we had good momentum. Yeah. No, I was at that one. And yeah, I remember like, all the Penn State fans talking about how, fans how, how talking they were going to run it yep. up on Denver. And I'm like, good <laughs> luck. You guys don't play any defense. So, <laughs> Yep. And then they lost seven to two or something like that the next day. They, they got absolutely crushed. <laughs> yeah. that, that Denver team was pretty good that year. Yeah, they were that they good. Were, they were good. <laughs> yeah. They were that good. Yeah. I like the matchup. Mm-hmm against Duluth I thought that it was two similar teams in a lot of ways and I thought we were a little bit better and a little like I just thought we were a little bit better a little bit deeper um in in a lot of areas scored a little bit more I felt and uh had a little bit more offense a little bit more transition to our game and things like that so um but never never and I thought we showed that in two for two periods um the last two periods when it was on the line it was good to see our guys uh you know our, our guys performed yeah, right out right after the first goal, I remember turning to Rob and, and our buddy that was with us and basically saying that I was just about to say how happy I was to see you guys kind of weather the first, what was it, 12, 15 minutes, get through that penalty kill yeah. and start playing your game and then and then you give up the goal. And then uh I guess the one thing that I always seem to notice is how it feels like like over the last two years, it has really felt like that for whatever reason, your teams have to work way harder to get the same number of goals. You guys rarely get the bounces. You rarely get the, uh, I, I don't know what it is. Like, it just feels the, like when the, we make like a mistake, the double deflection squeakies types. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 missing. Yeah. yeah. It's the ability to score. It's, it's the yeah. ability to score. It's, and what it comes down to, and, and all honesty, it comes down to recruiting. It comes yeah. down to getting those guys and, and being able then to, to train those guys. And, and that's where we've, that that's where we, we have to improve right now. Next year is going to be a, next year's going to has a potential 
to be a, a tough year for us because because of uh, how our recruiting has led up to it. And and, and with the loss, you know, Hallinan was looking to come back this year, um, but then he exploded. So, uh, you know, things like that. So um, and then Brian comes back, then you never know what that leads to with some other guys um, potentially returning and getting us through. Because I think we did a pretty good job this year of recruiting for two years out. But this year, you know, wh- what you see really in a lot of ways on our roster left is what, what is what we're going to have. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be even that much harder because we're, we're, we, you know, I, I have a, you know, a pretty good feel for, you know, what, how many points a first line has to average and how many points a second line has to average in a third line and a fourth line and things like that um, points wise with special teams and everything combined into that. And, and, you know, it's like, that's, that's what's really on my mind right now is trying to utilize the portal if possible and then figuring out what do we have to do? How do we have to change to be able to generate what we have to generate? So since you brought up the portal, Marvin Wilson was wondering how you approach transfer portal player portal players and what's different about it compared to recruiting freshmen. Well, a, a big thing that's a big thing that's different is a lot of it's done prior to uh, even uh, um, you know you you'll see somebody on the portal and, and unless you have a heads up prior. You know, you're calling them and they're saying either it's done or sometimes they have the a red triangle by it means don't even contact me, which means prior to going on the portal, they don't want to be contacted, which means, you know, they, they already know where they're going and things like that. So it kind of it's works against how it's supposed to work or it works perfectly in line with how it's supposed to work. Um, you know, what the intent overall, the overall intent of it was. So it depends on which side of the fence, I guess you're on. So we, we you know, again, trying to be, Matter of fact, and you know, in how you know, I look at things like I said, down point against Lake State, we can't keep doing the same thing, you got to face reality. Um, so we started changing our practices a bit and forcing some things. Um, what I've told our staff is, and and and, and the tough part about the portal for us right now is, every, you know, no matter what you feel, you no matter, no matter what we feel, we do, we feel we develop guys. Uh, in my time here, we've had a ton of free agent signings. Matt Roy might be the only draft pick we've had that is that has signed an NHL deal, and everybody else has been a free agent deal, which is really a development with with a progressive growth within individuals. So we feel we can get guys ready if we have the talent, de- develop them into a team, and develop them into an opportunity to to make some money at the game. But the reality of it is, we're, we're, you know, the elephant in the room in in, in our coach's office is, hey, fellas let's just call it what it is. We have to find out how do you make Michigan tech a destination? You know, like how did, how did Babcock for a while or how did Detroit for a while or make the destination to, so that free agents, um, Brett Hall or whoever wanted to sign there to get over the hump. And that's, that's really the question that we have to answer and, and do that because, you know, there's a lot of things in the negative recruiting side of it that are thrown out there. So, our recruiting is changing. It has to because I haven't been thrilled with our overall recruiting. Um, and so we're, we're, we've made some changes to the staff and things, and, and we're back heavy into BC, and we're heading overseas, and we're doing different things to um, get access to athletes that aren't already tainted, if you will, that aren't already having a bias as to uh, through agents or whatever, what league they need to go to, what teams they need to go to, because the honesty right now is 
um, because of Brisson, the agent whose son is a first rounder playing for Michigan, uh, everybody, if you get your name associated with committing to Michigan and good for them, like you've made it as a hockey player. Like that's, I'm going to Michigan. I'm going to Michigan. I'm going to Michigan. And, you know, Brisson is the agent that's just feeding that program with players, you know, just feeding them when he's representing those guys and one after another are going there. And, and he did the same thing with the Chicago steel. That's where his son played. He did the same thing with them and look at their success in, in what they've done at the junior level. So um, we have to get somehow find a way to be a destination where people want to go. Um, I was able to be part of that at Lake Superior where it was a, you know, you guys know Sault Ste. Marie and there was a period there for about 10 years where more NHL signees out of, out of that program than any multiple national tournaments. They made three national titles, uh, four trips to the championship game, three in a row. Um, that's what we have to face. And that's what we have to resolve right now. Uh, Tim and I talked about that in Denver too, right? We were, we were our buddy that's that we're out there that we're hanging out with the most time is he's a big longtime Fairbanks fan. Right. And they've had a lot of success with the European players the last couple of years, bringing guys in and, you know, we're seeing that with, with Kataroff. And if that's, if that's a pipeline that can open up, like you said, you have that lack of bias, right. From a European player's perspective, it'd be, it'd be great to see that open up that way. So are we recruiting more from the Europe side of things? That's something you're well, looking at. Well, we, we have, um, and I don't know how spread out this is, but we haven't, we haven't put it out there announced, but we have, we have three Europeans, three Finns coming in next year. Oh, um, really? Okay. Now, now, we're going to see how that translates for our team. We're going to see how that translates. But, you know, if you look at each of the last two years, we brought in two Swedes, um, you know, Arvid's worked out very well. We'll, we'll see how, uh, how Pedersen works out for us. I mean, Arvid, Arvid is still acclimating and still trying to find that offensive side um, to his game, but he is, he's, he plays a pretty complete hockey game, um, especially on the defensive side of the puck. But I think people overall have a better, have a little bit more of a readied player if they come over and play like say in the USHL for a year and then come in. But the reality of it is, is I've tried that route too. And then, and have brought a couple guys over and got them on junior teams and it doesn't take them long to, you know, to figure out, uh, you know, that they get half of a divorce, you know, then they have, and they're, they're jumping real quick and saying, well, you know, I, I I'm going to go here. Oh, uh, you know, good luck. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, I also can't think of a better way to get the community behind you than putting a couple of fins on the team. Yeah, well, we've been trying hard <laughs> you, for a long if time. If you're being you know, honest, Linus Weisbuck, <laughs> Linus Weisbuck at Wisconsin was is a good example. We, you know, we were I was the first one to talk to him over in Sweden. Came over here, flew out there a couple of times, uh, and met with them out in in Tri City and Kearney. And uh, but Donnie or uh, Tony Granada was flying in. And uh, then all of a sudden, the you know, the understanding or the perception of American college comes into play. And, you know, all things being said and done, you know, he may have been far better off coming to us. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin's had a rough few years. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. It's, it's exciting to see that it's been, we, we've seen the Finns in, in Northern for a few years, right. With like Tolman and those guys. So yeah, some of those. I, I I started that with a guy named Juha Lane back in the day, brought from Finland, a big kid. He was drafted by Anaheim, brought him in, and then uh, and he went. I think he only played one year at Northern, and then and then away he went. 
Yeah, the only Finn I can remember uh, is Yarko was there for a year, I think, before he jumped from from Tech back in the nineties or early thousands. How can you forget Tech Sadakari? You forgot. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Sadakari. Sorry. Uh, we drove all the way to Mount Horeb and Ma- out of sight of Madison to buy a finish flag for his last game as a Husky. And all he got to do was skate from the bench to the penalty box for a bench miner. <laughs> so, so we're, 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 we're looking at that because, you know, again, you do the same things over and over and they change. I really like our recruiting for a couple years out. You know, they're, I think they're the guys when you go into a ranking, you watch them play, you know, they're the, they're, some of the best players, if not the best players on the ice in the game. And that's really what you want. You don't want to go in there and say, man, you know, I, you know, I wish we were doing something different here. So, yeah. So, so with that uh, and the talk about uh, getting back into BC and, and Alberta, uh, how much has Shalas transition to being an assistant coach affected that? Oh, it, it is, it is the effect. Yeah. It is the effect because he's from there. He's, he's, you know, born in Edmonton and grew up in Kelowna. So, um, and I sent him over to Finland. So it's been a, you know, it's been a big deal for us. So to to go back to the portal, we just, uh, I think it dropped today that you've now got a total of four defensemen on the portal. I think that's all that's on there right now. Um, And I'm not really sure why it seems to be public knowledge this year, but I appreciate that anyway. So, so what is the plan to kind of reconstruct the defense if, if all four of those guys end up gone or are, are, do you kind of consider them gone the moment they're in the portal? Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, it's a good question in some ways. Like we have it, we, we have it covered with numbers, and I, I certainly like our the right side of our defense. Uh, we, you know, we had an abundance there before, and and you know with Thorny there and with uh, with Lipe and with uh, the emergence of you know Trevor Russell is is expanding his role and doing things. I like that side of the lineup. Um, the left side, the only veteran we'll have there is, is right now is coming off an injury is Jed Piedla. So we do have some, we do have a you know a number of recruits in there, and we are really working the portal to try to find one top four left-handed D if possible to, uh, to work that. But I'm handling the portal a little differently this year as well, because um, we're putting a lot of time in it. Um, and by time, I mean, quick time. And, and, we have, and, and over the year we put together um, exactly what we want to look for in, in trying to get the best player out of the portal, because it's easy to look at, a guy's number and say numbers and say, okay, well, he's got this many points. Uh, let's go after him. And chances are you can get one or two of them, but the reality of it is, is they don't, they, they don't play the way that we need to play in the way that we want to play. So we're not, you know, we're not getting any better in the long run, potentially out of it. Um, so, and, and as you saw this year with, with Maddie Corsia, you know, you, you want, you know, you bring a guy in, we needed centerman. We wanted centerman. We couldn't re- have trouble recruiting centerman. So I go out and bring in Bronte and Corsia and, and, you know, Maddie was trying to make up for three years of college in, in one year. Um, and the way that he played and the way he felt he needed to play to try to be able to be a professional hockey player wasn't conducive to his development or to our team play. So um, knowing that, and he had in mind the whole time, as soon as he, 
has a chance to sign, uh, you know, in any level of pro, he's going to do that. Um, it worked out so he was able to do that, and, and it it kind of put put things back the way they should have been. Uh, so in the portal, do you expect anybody else to be in the portal from the Huskies? Or uh, I we have five people total. Um, right now we have uh, uh, Goatsy and uh, Bucks. Now, of the people in the portal, Bucks is the one that we were leaving a spot open for. Um, Tyrell Buckley, because he has the dislocated wrist. He's not going to be able to do any working out until August um, at the earliest because of the surgery and the things. So, uh, and, and, and I'm a fan of his, he's uh, you know, he, he, he's what we want. He went through the hard times, understood everything that we needed, worked himself into a valuable part of different parts of our game. And I still think that there was growth that he could have done. And he was a left-hander that could have, that, that could have helped us when, if and when he became available to play, he was the one of the five in there that that we were leaving open to come back. Um, and he uh, he came in and it was we had a really good discussion at the end of an you know after at the end of our exit meeting. He said, you know, I, I love it here, I love everything about it, but I really want to go into um, uh, sports psychology. You like uh, you know he wants to go into that psychology side of of his studies. And he said, a, a master's doesn't do anything for me and what I want to do in this last year. So if I don't, can't get on any place in the States, um, university of Ottawa has a really good program. I'll, I'll try and see if I can get into that and, and, uh, and do that. So um, supportive of that for, for those reasons of uh, the other ones were primarily uh can't I we can't guarantee anything you know I mean we're we're looking for growth there necessarily hasn't been the growth that we're after for for a lot of reasons that we've discussed over time and um you know just because we have openings at a position we're not going to you know gift anybody a spot so um it's going to have to be earned and that that creates some uncomfortable um you know that somebody like a, a fresh opportunity often outside of that um with with some good discussion it's it's usually the best the best course of action and i've got to think that like a an ideal situation for getting a player from the portal an example of that would be you know like like michael carroll from this past season he he seems like a guy that kind of flew under the radar when he came in and we didn't really know what to expect he didn't put up huge numbers yeah, but he was a rock. Like he was all season long. He was yeah. you could depend on him. Yeah, and you know he logged a lot of minutes, and uh, he had a huge impact. You know, I was thinking about putting a letter on him, and I told him that uh, going into the playoffs because he was that important to us when Bots was out, um, because he was he was a leader for our team. I mean, he's a he, he's a man on how he handles things. He's a mature. You know, good morning, coach. How are we today? Uh, we're doing good, Michael. How are you? You, know, you almost want to call him dad. Um, but, but now, and and again, even on the portal, you've got to look at that. He came in recommended by, you know, I'd recruited him first of all, uh, back in the day when Mel was still here. So I I knew of him. We went after him before he went to Youngstown in the, uh, in the USHL and and we didn't get him. We lost the recruiting battle to uh, Boston college. Um, but, uh, Blisser came up right away and he said, Hey, listen, uh, buddy, my Michael Carroll's in the portal. And it was a, a media and, you know, Blister's the kind of guy that 
has a good understanding, a good grasp. I had known him previously. So um, he was the one that we really knew going in. We never recruited Tyrone uh, Bronte. We never recruited Matt Corsia. So it was all trying to get something on video and trying to put together some analytics quickly, um, knowing that we needed centerman. But we did know Carol. And really that's, you know, having that type of a thing is really the way I think that, that well, probably how the portal works to start with for those that um, really benefit from it and uh, gives you the best opportunity to improve your hockey team. Cause we, Tyler and I are watching, you know, right now, Chris is having, having some, uh, some surgery done. So Tyler and I are, are banging out watching hours and hours of video to, you know, together on players. And to be honest with you, they all look the same. Everybody that's available in the portal looks identical. Now there's a couple that we've gone after and, and we, we haven't gotten them yet. Um, haven't gotten them, but, uh, but they, they're, they look identical. Um, and then you can, when, when you don't get one, you, you can always trail and find out how they got them. And it's the same type of track as Michael Carroll. Like we actually, we, we just lost today a good one that I was after to Northern Michigan and it, it breaks your heart, but his coach in uh, his coach growing up and things like that went to Northern Michigan push Northern Michigan. And, you know, the, the, and that's a hard one because he was a perfect fit for us an absolutely perfect fit for us in the way he played. And I think it would have been good for him to play our style versus playing their style, but the sell for him um, in his, in, in us was, you know, I, I don't want to go by who was developed last year. I want to go by who I'll be playing with next year. And he's looking at our cupboard being a little bit bare and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard to argue with that. And that's, that's a disappointing part of that for me. No, it makes sense. I mean, and it's not surprising to me that you say that a lot of the guys in the portal it sounds like they play a similar game because that's probably why they're in the portal to some extent, because they're, there's something lacking that they, they weren't getting minutes as much as maybe they should have where they were and, or for whatever reason, are you, so we've talked extensively about the defense since there's so many guys in the portal there. Are you looking at forwards or centers specifically on the portal as well? Yeah, we are. We are. And, and, you know, I'm at, I'm of the mindset of that I would like to over recruit at the center ice position, because I think you can, I think you can translate. I think a hockey player that's an intelligent hockey player that plays center, um, can translate to the wing if he has the, the, the attributes. Now there are some players who play wing that are, um, you know, that, that that's what they do. Big, strong guys win the battles on the boards, get the puck out of the zone. Um, but all things being equal with size and skating ability and things like that. Um, it gives you a lot more versatility in doing your lineup. If, if guys could play, um, you know, if you, if you're recruiting centermen, if you look at Tampa Bay, you know, you'll see a line, you know, out there were stamp coaches on the ice with, uh, with Braden Point and another centerman. You know what I mean? Like the guy that who's the guy that signed with the crack in there, um, start with a K. I think they didn't protect him. Anyways, they'll have three centermen on the ice oftentimes, and you know, we we I'm of that mentality. Play where you're at on the ice. Like you don't have to. I don't want guys wasting time and wasting transition opportunity trying to get back into position. I'd like a, you know, I'd like a, if a defenseman's the last guy coming back in the zone, play forward, play wing until, it, until you get the opportunity to go back because you only, you know, opportunities, you want to take advantage of every opportunity you can to transition. 
and create offense. And that's really what it's all about. You know, we talk about defense a lot, but, you know, all of our time is spent on scoring goals. And, uh, and that's, that's why, you know, the majority of our time, and that's why it was like that Lake state game was so hard. Cause I didn't just, just didn't want to go through that again. Like we did the year before where we're playing so well and, uh, and not coming on the right side of it. It's one of the things in my uneducated hockey. I just watching it grow up is that I've you've seen a lot more like it seems like the last maybe 10, five, 10 years where the D men are pushing up and you actually have forwards covering playing like defensemen. And you, and you see it often enough watching watching us play that, that there's a D-man sitting on the point that pushes up and a forward downright covers for him, and they just swap positions for a bit of time. And it feels like that's a relatively new development that we seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah, and again, but, they, they, they you know, if you look at uh, our goal that we beat Bowling Green, that's a perfect example of it. You know, uh, the, you know, there's a whole story that goes into that with Shane Hanna that you guys probably all know, but – you know, Matt Roy gets the puck and Shane Hanna took off on a line change and, you know, got a partial breakaway the other the other way and scored the goal for us. You know, that was D to D on a, you know, feeding a line rush opportunity. So we, we've had good success with that. Uh, professional teams like the way our D play. Um, Michael Carroll liked the opportunity that we gave him. Um, it was easy for, you know, and speaking of that, I had a great time on uh, Friday night. Tyler and I went over and watched. Grand Rapids played Texas in their first game and Michael was playing against Blisser and Joe Lesprance was in the game. Tanner had a baby um, that day. So he wasn't there. He was with his wife, Tanner Carroll, but it was great to see uh, Matty Drusick was there and it was great to see those guys and Michael Carroll. Um, that's what I'm getting at with this ended up getting first start of the game. He got a, he got an assist on the first one. It was a two, one game. He got an assist and then uh, a load of high quick shot where he just, caught it and released it to the net and put it under the bar in a screenshot and scored the winning goal. And to see him announced after the game, you know, playing in his first professional game, uh, you know, first start of the game, playing in his first professional game with goal and assist, you know, and then they say his name, he's out and he's clapping and on the road, you know, in his Texas Jersey. Um, it really made you feel good because, uh, you know, they appreciated Scott White, who's a former tech grad was following us pretty close there at the end and liked his game, you know, liked his game and thought that he would be a good third pairing D at the professional level, you know, five, six D, which is what he is. We had him playing in a role higher than that. So you have to kind of appreciate and understand just like Trenton bliss, you know, teams would say, do you think he skates well enough to be a center? And, and, you know, I'd say to him, he's not a center. We haven't played center because we don't have center. If you like him, if you even remotely like him at center, he's a natural winger. He's way better at the wing with a size strength type guy. We just have him playing there. So he gets a great contract, uh, uh, American League contract. Trenton Bliss does really good money, the best money out of all of them, and can still sign with anybody with probably the first right of refusal going to Detroit. So if some team says, hey, we want that Bliss kid. We offer, they offer him a contract. The courtesy of it is to say, hey, listen, uh, Mr. Eiserman, uh, I've got an opportunity to sign with blah, blah, blah. And um, and then Detroit takes their choice of whether they want to sign them or not. And uh, so it, it's good to see those guys develop. But Michael Carroll was a guy that was restricted in his role. And we were encouraging the other side of it, which was, which was not comfortable for him. But he ended up putting up more goals than he had ever put up, which is two. <laughs> and then he put up more points than he had ever put up. And um, and he enjoyed it. And he's going to get a master's degree, and he's a happy um, Michigan Tech Michigan Tech alumni. So 
it was, it was a great thing for him. And, and uh, that's kind of what we want to be all about here. That's got to help yeah. from the portal recruiting and even recruiting in general to get all those signings this year and, and then be able to look back and have, you know, Caro and uh, Kara and Roy and all those guys playing at a high level somewhere. Well, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't impacted us yet. And we've had a good, we've had a pretty good success rate of, of development. It hasn't, it hasn't impacted us yet and, and gotten us, it still seems to be contacts. It still seems to be uh, yeah. what, what you get is through contacts. And, uh, you know, just the same way we got Trenton Bliss when he decoded from, uh, you know, from Wisconsin, when he was decommitted from Wisconsin, and that worked out pretty well for him. Um, and, and then again, we've done really well with, with the, um, the, the kids that have ties to the Houghton area, such as the Hallinans and the Piedelas and, and the Hainanans and the Reed Sturros and the Joe Lesbrots, all these guys. Our, our top level players um, that have a love and a, a family love for Michigan Tech. So yeah. um, I just went down and watched another one that we have, and he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a really good player that we have committed. So um, yeah, it's kind of sucks you can't say names, Joe. No, no. <laughs> I'm giving away too much right now, probably, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, our listeners probably know since we drop the names regularly, but yep, uh, yeah. uh, do you have goaltending figured out for next year? Yeah, we, we do. You do. Okay. Yeah, we, we still have Blake. And uh, and I want to make, make sure I make a plug here. Mark Sinclair was incredible for us. And Mark Sinclair deserved um, more of an opportunity. And, and I, we're, I'm, I'm working hard to try to get him a professional opportunity because, you know, we're on a team that we, you know, we knew the last two years we were going to be a bubble team. And if you recall, Mark played his first, the first game. Re, or, uh, Blake was kind of in and out and not in and out. Jerusik was our guy the year before. And and Blake had a, a really good start against Mankato in his first game. Had a couple okay starts, had an okay start here and there. But I think he played in a total of five games his first year. So he was really unknown how he would be. So we, I went out and I got Mark Sinclair. Um, feeling that 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 he could play and and do it for us, and he played the first game. If you recall, got a shutout at Lake State. I think it was a oh, another one of those overtime, one nothing overtime losses, and uh, but then then he played the next game. Blake gets a start. He does well, and what ended up happening is Blake just put together a, a couple of starts in a row, and that's what we were doing because we did it at Lake State where we uh, started mark the second game as well after he got the shutout the first game. We were going to stick with that routine, routine, and Blake just kind of took off and took the job. And then we're we're hovering again around the pairwise number that, you know, a couple of years ago. So we, you know, every game was important, short season, COVID, blah blah blah, and and he won it. Now this year again, we were going to go back and and split them a little bit in the first half, and I planned on playing each of them a game at Wisconsin. And two days before we left for Wisconsin, Mark got a knee injury and was out to the point where right up till going into the break at Christmas, we were trying to get uh, the, the medical staff to, to really give us a definitive on, do I need to go out and bring another goaltender in, try to find one right now or not? Cause we had one that was available to us. Do we bring him in or not? And they said, no, he'll be good to go. But again, you saw us, we were at, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, whatever, hovering around there in a pairwise. And if I play him in a harder game or whatever, it's why'd you do that? And if I play him in a game that 
you know, we should win and we don't win it. Well, Joe, why'd you do that? And you don't get in the, in the, in the tournament. Yeah. So, you know, you got two games and you got two games a weekend and we stuck with what we stuck. So, you know, I'm beating this up a little bit, but Mark Sinclair is a quality goaltender. It's not like he's not a good goaltender. And the hard part is, is the way what I've told his agent when I've talked to his agent is that, listen, at his size of things, he's starting on the East coast regardless. Our job is to get him to the East coast and then let him make his way from there. Because a, a goaltender that size, like Dryden McKay didn't sign yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and it's going to be interesting, interesting to see if Dryden McKay does sign at five foot 10 or 11 or whatever he is breaking all the records he's breaking, um, doing everything he's done. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. There's, been a, there's been a ton of talk on our discord or on Twitter about Blake signing. And I'm like, Dryden McKay hasn't signed guys. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blake Blake's a great goalie. I I I got nothing against it. Like I I love having him on the team. But my point is like if Dryden McKay hasn't signed a deal yet with what he has done, yeah, we don't really have to worry about Blake yet. It's right. okay. Dryden McKay's also still playing. Yeah, yeah. But was it Bitzer Bitzer a couple years ago MVP of the league and he doesn't mm-hmm. sign a you know what I mean yeah. like it's it goaltenders you gotta you you you've got to start out. Jeff Lurg was a really good goaltender in Michigan State, won a national title undersized goaltender and, and end up playing in France. But, but, gotta, he's, but he's really undersized, Joe. He was like, what? Five, no, but six? I'm saying there is a threshold and there is a there threshold is. of pro hockey where you got to, where, where you're on the border of it. And six, one, six foot, six, one is on the border of it. No, it's just like quarterback in football. Every, every team kind of has their cutoff and they don't really look at guys shorter than that. And then you have a guy Doug like Flutie. Russell Wilson happen yeah. or Doug Flutie. And you're like, Oh, maybe we should rethink that. But it's hard for them to get that chance even to show that they, they deserve it. And Dryden and, and Blake are both oh, kind of in that boat. We've yeah. got our own All-American example. If you go back far enough at Tech, too. Jamie Ram never played in the NHL either. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, he was 5'11", five, 5' five, something like that. He wasn't six foot. So, you know, he fit that same mold of not tall enough to make it. And he got stuck behind the Rangers organization. I think he only played one game or something like that. Now, even with that being said, um, like I was talking to uh, Mark's agent, he can get in and do really well with a East Coast League team, and then get called up for for stints with the American League team. But they're always going to be bringing in a uh, a six three European or something, or major junior or college kid or whatever, and giving giving him games and just knowing that you got someone like Mark that can do the job um, there to bail you through when you need it. They're always going to be looking for that bigger prospect. So um, when all said and done, that, that's how I justify it in my mind anyways and sleep at night in, in that um, our job now is to get him where I feel he would have been anyways and where Blake will be and, and things like that. Uh, so so how are – so is Blake kind of coming in as the number one or are you kind of planning on – 50 50 like you were with Sinclair and him or do you kind well, of have a well, plan? Well, he has to, but I think that we have to see how that goes and give another goaltender some is some starts. You know what I mean? Like we did with Blake. Okay. We have to give him some starts and, and get them to see some ranks and, and gain some confidence and things. And and then, you know, Blake, Logan, there's others that still have a COVID year where they could. Um, you know, like those guys are Blake, Blake, Logan, they're engineers. Who knows if they don't get what they want, they may they may want to get a, a master's degree in business or a master's in engineering or something. So, um, but we'll, we'll gauge that as it goes. But I mean, he, 
Blake's never really had a bad game. You know, like he's never really yeah. had a bad game. He's had some games where, you know, you'd, you'd like to have one or two shots back, but we've always been in the game. Um, the, the, the only game this year that got away from us really was the, uh, the really in essence, wasn't a one goal game. I mean, you could say Duluth, that was, you know, two goal game, but was the, the uh, game against Bemidji. And yeah. that was a one, one game with nine and a half left. And they scored on three straight scoring chances. And, you know, we didn't give up much in that game either. You know, we didn't generate as much as we wanted to, but we didn't give up really anything, but the cylinders had seven scoring chances total in the game. Uh, two or three of those being on the power play in the first period. Other than that, they, they scored, they scored on five of uh, five of seven, five of four or five uh, scoring chances. They scored on in the game, the cylinder, that line, I yeah. rule the cylinders, four or five scoring chances that they had because they had, I guess, two on the power play for a total of seven in the game of their eight in the game. Seven of them came from that line. Yeah. Well, that was, I think that's been the, the, the best thing about us finally getting access to the instat stuff is being able to look at the, we don't quite do scoring chances because I don't really know how you determine those, but we can look at the expected goals that instat publishes for each shot. And it's been amazing how much you can take that and look at it and, and basically tell the guys that like the night you thought we played bad was actually not the night that, like we played better that night than the other night than the like at St. Thomas. Right. Our expected goals the night we tied were better than the night that we won. Right. And, and like throughout the whole season, I think there's only been like three games where we like drastically outperformed our expected goals. And they're not the games you, you would think they were either from watching and it. And it's just, it's so amazing how much the fan perspective, especially our discord is just tainted by the results instead of the effort and the production that may not have resulted in goals that night. Yeah. That's why I said, like I would say constantly a year ago, we're better than people think. And I don't think there's teams that are jumping to play us in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, if you recall how well we played against Bemidji two years ago in the playoffs, we were, we were out shooting him something like 33 to what was it? Five or six yeah. with three and a half left in the second period at Bemidji on the second night. And they score, you know, they they walk around in our zone. We weren't aggressive enough and score a little wrister from the from the red or blue line. And then and then about a minute later, they a face-off play guy walks down the wall and banks off three guys and it goes in. And and we're gripping our six tight. And the first goal, I mean, we were totally dominating that game. And Brian Helen and Mr. Wide Open Net, and they came down, and that's what you know, when they scored their first goal. So um, but that year we weren't ready to make the step. And that's why, you know, when we talk about what team's better and compare them, neither team, neither team really won when they had to win um, with the, with the, you know, the Tanner Carroll group and this group. Um, it wasn't until year two, my second year here, when we finally went to the desert classic and won that tournament and that team, you know, learned how to win. Then we ended up winning the, the league uh, regular season, but we still didn't win the playoffs. Then we went back to back playoffs, and then it, you know, then it was a rebuild from there. A, you know, a quick rebuild. I'm looking forward to the year that we we break the, what seems to be our new tradition of some sort of just uncharacteristic lapse in the playoffs in the in the re, in the national t- tournament. Right? It's it's just frustrating to watch. I love being there. Finally, don't get me wrong. But, uh, Seeing just some little one moment of the game that flips the switch has been 
it's it's heartbreaking as a fan, <laughs> and I'm sure it's even worse as a coach to see it happen. <laughs> well, what was that moment against Notre Dame? Against Notre Dame, when we just barely missed the post, and just then the Kindar scored on the broken yep. stick. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I was yep. trying to get which, at which if you were asked, yeah. because none of those games, three of those games, the opponent never really had anything sustained against us. No, not um, at all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, yep. it's, but it's just frustrating. Like, um, I talked a lot about how much, you know, Franti and Duluth have been lucky. And I got so much crap from the Duluth fans about, like, at a certain point, it's skill, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying you're a bad team. I'm saying that part of winning a championship in a single elimination format is getting some luck. And I've seen, I saw, UMass Lowell, I saw Denver, I saw Duluth, I saw them all make mistakes that weekend, but their mistakes didn't happen at a specific moment where there was a guy right there to pick up the puck and risk it past their or the other team's goalie. Like it's just frustrating that I don't know how many times this year, like I specifically remember against Bemidji this year, where we had a bad pass that went right to the other team. But thankfully, he was at the end of his shift and just didn't have any gas left on his breakaway to do anything with it and didn't score. And that was like the first time I remembered all year where it felt like one of the big mistakes we made didn't turn into a goal. But it doesn't seem like like I remember Bronte getting two or three breakaways on bad mistakes by the other team and he didn't score. And it was like <laughs> and, and then we talk about like Clevin gets the turnover on Goats. And goes right in and scores, and they're all like, well, but they have better skill. I'm like, the guy had one goal on the year coming into the game. So it's not like it's about his skill. It's about luck of the moment and and rising to that moment. And and we just haven't had that where, like, like I said earlier, it feels like we have to work twice as hard to get as many goals as other teams instead of just, like, none of them come easy. And I yeah, don't but get where that luck hasn't yeah. shown up at some point for how hard that team works. Cause it's not like you're not a hardworking team. You are. And I know some of it's skill and I know some of it's like the, like getting in your own head about not doing it last time and, and that kind of stuff, but it's just frustrating not to see them catch, catch a break. And, and then, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's hard skill. It's hard skill. And, and you're always, and I say this and you're always going to be, you're going to look back, and if you look at the two goals they got, they were soft plays. They were both turnovers. The two goals Duluth got were both turnovers and soft plays. And um, and really by individuals that have to get better at that part of the game. You know, and that's that's just calling it what it is. You know, I have my areas that I have to get better at too, um, but that that's what it is. And And, you know, Brian Hallinan got rewarded this year because he took he, he got the puck around the net. You know, I say it often. You want to find girls, go to the bar, you know, around <laughs> here, here, go go to church, go you know, go up to the Lutheran church or whatever. Um, you want to score goals, you got to get to the net consistently all the time, and then you got to work on it after practice. And that's something that you know, something that we we talk about when when this group of freshmen, the one my my or this senior, my one. My only real complaint about this group, and it's not the whole group, but it's the it's the overall group of, of seniors, is that they came in in that really bad year with after we won that championship, and you guys know what I'm talking about. 
and we and our culture was bad. It was like which which we're vulnerable for next year. In that that group was, you know, they're seeing these guys sign contracts and Renke sign contract and guy after guy every year is getting NHL deals. And then um, and it's like now it's my turn. Well, it's only your turn if you if you earn it. You know what I mean? It's not it's not it's not you just you got to earn it, right? This is athletics. This is farming. You know, you got to plant, you got to burn, you got to weed, you got to water, and you hope you have success. You got to get in the weight room. You got to do every. You got to do everything, and you. It's not just your turn, your time. You know, hey, coach, it's my time. I didn't. No, it's not your time. It's your time when you lead it and earn that, and earn that time. Other than that, you're playing right here for Michigan Tech. Let's get it done. It's let's get it done here. So we're vulnerable to, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to that within our within our group and again back to my my thought was this group came in with that and so the one thing is that when practice was done for the most part you can take brian hallen and out of it um tommy pertino sometimes but they got off the ice right away you know we have ice available they could stay out there and shoot till the cows come home but they walked off the ice and that kind of and other guys watch that now you look at arvid and mosley and those guys they don't come off the ice. They sit out there and work and work and work and work on the shot. And where I'm getting that at that is, you know, the cylinders. Look how many times where it doesn't take them long to score against us. They get a shot from a certain spot and that thing's under the bar and in. And uh, and they do that against everybody. They did that against Bowling Green in their playoff series. And so you're saying, you know, take shot after shot. We all got to work at our craft. You know, we all have to work at our craft to get better at it. And so that, so that when you get that chance, and you know, like Kobe Bryant says, you people say, I have ice in my veins. I have ice in my veins, and I look that way because I've done it a thousand times in practice. I know what I'm comfortable doing. I know what I'm not comfortable doing. And when it comes to that point in the game, I put myself in a position so I can have success, and I'm going to take that shot because I've done it a thousand times. And that's what guys have to do. And that's where we weren't ready against Duluth. Some guys, they, you know, like Colin Sawyer, great kid, still gave that one. He made a pass from our hash mark to their guy at the blue line trying to throw a home run pass a minute into the game. And I'm looking at that right away and I'm saying, he comes to the bench, I'm saying, Colin, let's get back to the basics, make the simple play. Just make the simple play, let your legs do the work. You know what I mean? It's a great skater, let your legs do the work. And uh, and then he got it, and, and then we got it settled in. We got it settled in for the last two periods. But you waste time. You go into power play, 30 seconds into the game, you want to score on it in a big game. You want to be ready, you know. And we practice for that. We practice for the goalie out, and we're pretty good with the goalie out, you know. But we practice it, and we're always telling the guys, calm down. You know, you're not you're not trying to do this in five seconds. If you have the look you want, take it. But if not, let's open this thing up, get them to chase a little bit, and let's find something around the net. So you're talking about developing – like you know, working on your scoring, Bill Kriege. Do you how that say? How do you say that, Rob? No idea. No I, idea. Your your guess is as good as okay. mine. <laughs> we had we had a question. I thought on you our missed article. the R and Krieger. <laughs> Kriege. No, maybe yeah. he did. I don't know. <laughs> he had two questions. Is it possible at the college level to develop straight line speed or face off skills? Uh, well, it depends where you're starting from. There's face-off skills for sure, and I, I get what I get what he's getting at there. You know, the, <laughs> the irony of that, we did so much work against Ferris State on face-offs to prep for that. Uh, I mean, so much detailed work, knowing exactly what they do, especially Merrick, especially Merrick, 
And darn if their first goal is Merrick winning a draw and going to the net and deflecting <laughs> a puck that's up at his waist. Exactly <laughs> what we prepped against. Um, so, yeah, you could certainly get better and develop those skills. Now, straight out speed, um, you, you we work on quickness and acceleration all the time. Um, a lot of that part of it, and Frank Angelone used to say this, and Jeff Jackson believes in, and I do as well. There comes a point where, where you're, you, you have marginal areas you can grow on your skills, but where you can grow is as an athlete, which is your strength and things. And you can, a guy like Brett Thorne can develop a better, can be a, a better player even than he is by developing a deeper knee bend, which is low, you know, strengthening his lower back and his, and his glutes, you know, and, and things. And, and, being able to widen that base out, increasing his flexibility, becoming a better athlete. So that can help your skating, uh, your twitch muscles and things a little bit harder to, to train those part of the off season conditioning that, that you do is um, in, in order to try to help do that, or at least not stagnant. The growth of it is, you know, you break your, your summer workouts into trimesters. And that's why we do that track a stuff where the guys, um, go to track a school and they're in the weight room with Tyler and things. And they're, that's when they're doing that strength base, building up the strength. Cause you don't do that during the year. So they build up their strength and they're, and they're pushing more weight and things and, and putting more strength within their, within their frame. And then over the summer, then the next two trimester phases are transitioning that, that strength to power, which is moving it quicker, which is what you're talking about with explosiveness and being a quicker skater and things. So the middle part of the, of the summer is then starting to do some sprinting intervals in that and, and explosion and, and uh, shorter, uh, less reps and, and more speed to get to try to train your muscles, the mass you've worked to get faster. And then the last semester when or trimester, when they come and that leads into them coming back is all power, all explosion and, and, uh, getting their game legs and, and, but everything in the weight room. And then you continue that power phase through the, through the season in, uh, in the way that we do it, we do things a little differently. Tyler's got this really unique thing that he does micro dosing, but that's what we do during the season. Um, because really, if you're really prepared going into the season, you're not going to gain strength. If you got a guy gaining strength during the season with, with how you're being torn down every day and things like that, he didn't put enough time in coming into the season. So um, if that answers the question, you can you, you can get better face-offs and you have to get better at face-offs um, with technique and owning the dot and things. Um, and then you also can increase your your overall speed. And But straight out speed, that's what was kind of getting me. But that's part of explosiveness, that first three strides that get you going to full speed. That's fair. Yeah, the face-off stuff has been one of those things that uh, the Discord channel is always uh, always looking at closely. <laughs> Where are we at on, on face-off wins compared well, to you know we're playing us, against? <laughs> yeah, I say all the time, you can tell a lot of how our mental preparation is as how we're executing our special teams, especially the power play on face-offs, because those are those are where you have some really some the more static plays and the more, you know, it's doing your job, you know, and there's a lot of people involved in that in, in those two aspects. And if you're perimeter and soft on the power play and you're, you know, losing pucks cleanly and not even battling for them on the face-offs, um, you know, it, you, you, you're not ready to play. How did you think the the power play was in Loveland? I thought it was pretty good. We got good chances. We had, and at the end, we, we ended up with five scoring chances in the first, uh, in the first period of, of that game. They had yeah. eight, they ended up with 10, and we had five in the first period. So in and, and the last five minutes, we had a power player two in there. And the movement, the movement was good. There was a couple of things we wanted to try, and we actually got caught on it 
um, on our last power play in the third period that uh, somebody got hurt and or, or something happened. It wasn't Brian Hallinan. Um, he was Brian wasn't on my unit, but we had a, a certain look set up and we had been practicing it with uh, Logan Piedla and Arvid. We put Arvid out there and Arvid didn't know didn't know the set we were running um, because it had to happen quick. And I'm trying to, you know, we have Sawyer was there. Someone got hurt for just a shift or two. Um, might have been Peritino, but someone got someone was out for just the for that last power play um, about midway point of the third period, and we didn't get the look that we wanted. But we still got we had our looks at it. Franti was good. I think we ended up with seven or eight scoring chances on the power play. So, no, I'm sorry you brought up Parentino, and I'm just shaking my head that he couldn't finish the wraparound. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was uh, the wraparound was a Sreski. Sreski, okay. Yeah. 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 I'll admit I haven't I haven't watched a replay of the game. I I, I struggle to watch a replay of, the, of any of the regional games that we've been in. Yeah. <laughs> After seeing them in person, I'll just leave it in that the memory I'll leave instead of having to analyze it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a... it's been great to make it back again, and especially to make it back as an at large bid too. It's you know the the body of work and the pairwise bringing us there. I think is more says more for the program than you know getting through and winning the, the playoffs if you're not going to win the playoffs like if you knew you weren't going to win it that week off was really good for us that yeah. that week off in between there was really good for us because we you know we 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 struggled we limped through february because of that eight and 16 that eight games in 16 days i mean it was how it much was all... so how much different do you feel things would have gone if northern didn't have to postpone that weekend um, whew, I would have liked our chances in the, in the playoffs for sure, yeah. getting to the finals because, um, we had some guys, Brian Hellman developed some drift to his game. You know, we, we developed some habits. We were doing a lot of backing off in the neutral zone and boxing up and, and, uh, you know, we do our, our four checker got a little, our four check got a little bit, you know, we were always getting it for the most part out of Missyak and, and, uh, Logan Pedla, but we were, we weren't getting it out of some others. So. Um, I, I would have liked, I mean, you know, would we have won the league? I don't know. I don't know if we, I don't think we would have given up those, those, you know, I don't think we would have had those overtime games, at least maybe one, but not, not to the extent that we had against St. Thomas. And, and uh, now obviously the first one against St. Thomas was just a, that was characteristic of this group in some ways that we weren't ready to play that game before Christmas, um, that last game before the break. But um, the last series we had, we were, you know, we, we got a lot of shots and things like that, but we were really relying on a couple of guys to do it for us. And, and, uh, those guys were developing, I thought bliss was pretty consistent all the way through. I thought Peritino was actually consistent. I thought Brian with the distractions and everything going on was develop, developing a little bit of, I don't want to say cheat to his game, but a little bit of drift to his game where he wasn't filling in, filling in areas that we really wanted him to, um, to help us in transition as we're and some other players. I mean, who would have thought I told, I was telling Leiper in the summer, get an agent, you know, get an agent. Who would have thought that he'd go until the, like, or, or the Crespi would go to the, the, the playoff series against um, Ferris without getting a goal. I mean, a point, a point. And his first point was a, was a goal. And um, you know, those guys got to prepare themselves better so that they're, they're, you know, we'll need them next year to be, more consistent and, and uh, 
more determined as seniors um, because we got to get through next year with some, you know, with some special efforts from some, from individuals. Yeah, Crespi feels like a guy that who has the speed that can make a difference up there on the forecheck and breaking things out quickly. Yeah, that just the the last little bit is missing. That that final bit just seems to not quite be there yet. But yeah, the attention he, he to makes detail. things he makes things happen. The attention they to just detail. Don't finish. And then you know, and that and that's with some guys within their whole game. And then, but you look at another guy like a Logan Ganian. Look how he's played in big games for us. You know, and his deal is the same thing to try to get him every day to to uh, you know see the end game. You know, see the end game of this. You got one kick at it. Give it everything you have. You know, don't don't just coast through it and put everything in. Lay it all out there and see where it goes. You know, and and see where it takes. It doesn't guarantee that things will work out, but it sure gives you a lot better opportunity. And, you know, the, the thing, there's two things with coaching. You don't want to be a player's last coach ever. You know, you always want to, you always want to be moving them on and you, you always want your players to, to leave. You're, it's a pride thing if they leave on their own terms. Like when you go watch all these guys playing pro hockey, um, you know, Helen scored on Saturday night, his first American league goal. And I mean, these guys are filtered all through pro hockey. Now, when you see that, um, you know, it's a real source of pride, but there's a there's one common denominator from all those guys, Renke and all them, and they were they weren't getting held back in the moment. They were seizing the moment, and they really seeing the future. You know what I mean? That's 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 the art and skill of not getting caught up in in the moment. Just play for you know, develop now. Know what you have to do every day. Set your goals on you know, have a weekly goals of what you want to improve on. And then what are you going to do every day to improve on those? It might be shooting. It might be angling. It might be puck protection. It might be whatever. And then when you got that down on another week, go on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Watching Brian's puck protection this year was, was something to watch. <laughs> yeah. There you were know, times when Brian, he would just take over. What Brian would always say, and it's easier said than done, like this summer when we were doing video and stuff, what do I have to do? You know, I, I want to be a pro. What do I have to do? And Brian, you have to, if you can get more more assists than goals, because you know you're going to get 10, 12 goals every, you do every year. If you can get 15, 16, 17 assists, you're up around 30 points. Well, he gets 20 goals, ends up getting 20 something, 21 goals, 23 assists, whatever, gets 44 points. And, uh, you know, he, he up both of them. So getting playing for more assists was, uh, you know, for more secondary offense was, was a big deal for him. Well. Yeah. Well, how much of that is just kind of filtering their way up the pyramid too, right? You talk about you bring somebody in, they're the best player on their team, their last team, and they've got to learn to play a different role. How much is that a struggle for some of the guys when they come in? It is, but you want the progression, right? You want you you want them to be, you know, Tommy Peritino, when I recruited him in midgets, I still remember watching him in San Jose um, in the national tournament. They want, he wanted the puck with the game on the line and his team wanted to give him the puck with the game on the line. Um, and we saw signs of that for three years here. You know, he had trick at Bowling Green a few years back and a big win and things like that and scoring against Michigan at the GLI and, you know, all those things. Um, but this year he finally found consistency with it because it was on the line. You know what I mean? It was the end of the road. Let's get her done and it's time to get her going. Um, so, it, you know, that you're after – and some guys are – Brian was never the big guy. He was in high school, but he wasn't in juniors. You know, he was – he was just, you know, he met a quota and I told him if you do this because you want to come in, I'll bring you in, I'll bring you in at that point. We did, and I'm glad we did. A little off topic from what we've been talking about, but one more question. Jonathan Zamatis wants to know, does tech have a video coach in the press box with communication to the bench so you can they can help with challenges and stuff like that? Yeah. 
Yeah, we do. Uh, Max do. Fredrickson. And he's actually not on the road. He's upstairs. And in our rink, we've gotten it so that he's he's marking the game from right down in the uh, in our in our coach's room, in the in our locker room so okay. that we can come right off. And it's instantaneous. Other than that, when you're on the, on the road, if there's no feed down into the visitors room, you know, you're waiting for a guy to come down an elevator or down the stairs and. And, uh, you, you know, you want to get as many looks at, you know, you're writing down during the game so often. I want what happened on this. What can we do on this? I want to look at this clip at this time um, to see because that's what they're doing. I want to see how we can break that. Um, so Max Frederick, Fred, Fredrickson's our guy. Yeah. And in, uh, on the, the second game, we, we stood at the end of the rink and we were actually above the Riverhawks and the Denver guys. And they were doing that kind of yeah. watching them. I have no idea what software they use and what all the colors mean, but uh, we, yeah. we could see directly down on the guys doing the video marking from where yeah, we're well, ours standing. Is, ours is called Exos. Um, okay. It's a, and it's a good feed. He's, he's marking every player's shift, all the scoring chances, turnovers. Um, so he's uh, doing live stats basically as the game goals goes. Score, goal, yeah. And we can look at anything face offs by individual. And, and I mean, it's actually amazing. It's like, you know, he's playing the piano. You know, yeah, we were, we were watching the guys. They didn't look like they were typing, but they were doing a whole bunch yeah. of stuff all the time. Like and we couldn't some, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, some keys, like when he's marking four check, it's a hot key. You know, it, it's a V. And he just pushes a V in it. We have it set up so it goes back so many seconds and, you know, go the last seven seconds and then three seconds after he marked it so that we get that, you know, so he has to time it, learns the timing of that. And then other ones are intervals, like power plays. You know, he'll mark a power play breakout. And, you know, he's, he's marking, a, you know, the, the key that does the where, where he wants to start the power play breakout. And then when they get in the zone, where he wants to stop it. And then he's pushing another key that starts the uh, power play in zone then as an example. And then he's in. So some of them are preset times and others are getting like offensive zone play. That's an interval. D zone covers an interval. Four check is a is a hot key. Neutral zone four checks a hot key. Scoring chances are hot keys because you only need so much before it. And then when we're looking at it, we can always cut into it and move it back further or look at it later and adjust it how we want. Yeah, the amount of data you guys are going through is uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of what we can do with Instat, but we have to wait like 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, Instat's doing the very same thing. Instat yeah. is is marking it. And, and we use Instat for a lot of things too. Um, my, everything that I do is based on scoring chances and working backwards from there. So we take, I take things off of Instat and there's, but there's things I want to take on my own. Like I'm not taking Instat turnovers because with their view and everything, a turnover, you shoot the puck out of the zone and yeah. that may be part of our game, you know? So yeah. um, I, I do our own turn, mark our turnovers. Uh, I do our scoring chances. We use Instat's Corsi. We use Instat's battle situations to get a, a ratio on battles and who's winning them, who's losing them. Um, we use them in staff for some zone entry stuff and things like that. And D zone entries to, to get who's efficient at different aspects to help them grow. I, I know I'm really excited for some free time this summer where I can just click uh, entries and just watch, you know, 20 minutes of video of you guys doing zone entries and, and get a feel for, uh, you know, how you've done things and how you're trying to do things or how it changes over the season. Cause I can just look at all of it on there and, and go through it all and, and try and get a better feel for, you know, how you do things versus just because yeah. it's Rob Dustin and I, we like watching hockey, but I don't think we, we we're, we're no, very we, heavily into the X's and O's of no, the, so not that's yet. kind of we're, we're what I'm better. trying to work on is the <laughs> trying well, to what see you're what you're find, trying to do. When you, what you're going to find is that, 
um, we do a lot of different things so that we can, um, and that's part of why it's hard having real, you know, why, why guys get better as they get, as they get through, as they go, because we, we work, you know, there's a skeleton of what teams do. Let's say they one, two, two, four check or two, one, two, or do a one, three, one, the neutral zone, like Michigan does or whatever. Um, based on whatever you see at any given time, um, we have some different things that we do, which are completely different. Like if you just, you know, as a, a Duluth, Duluth wants to play you, you know, ideally what they want to do is, is get you to play outside the dots. They want to take, get that play outside the dots and then, and then throw a swarm at you. So your job is to try to avoid that and, and not play, not attack outside the dots. Now against a different team, you are trying to attack quickly outside the dots because they might be a little bit more aggressive with a one, two, two, where you can climb above their, their back two guys and, and create quick three on two. So there's different things that you do um, at all the time. So, and I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the strength of our game is in doing that because it's kind of, it gets a little bit hard to predict how, how we're going to play in a lot of ways. That sounds very Belichickian of you, Sean, where you're trying to, trying to basically, uh, you know, be able to do anything and kind of play to their weakness or versus, uh, you know, a lot of teams in sports just play to their own strengths. That's exactly right. I say that in, in, in symposiums and stuff all the time. That's the one thing the the differences in the coaches that I had in college. Um, I had a guy named Frank Anselone when I played um, and Frank was exactly what you're saying. We're going to do what we do and we're not changing. And it's up to, and if we execute that, we'll, you know, we're going to win. That was the sell. Um, now, Jeff Jackson, on the other hand, was we're going to identify what the other team's strengths are and we're going to try to eliminate that. We're going to try to we're going to try to make them play a different than they want to play. And and I, I tend to be like that. Um, that makes more sense to me with engineering background and stuff to to be that way to because um, it's, it's very it frustrating way. if you're good at taking away their strength because they yeah. if they if they are a Frank Aslan type team where they're they play to their strengths they're going to be very frustrated and not necessarily know what to do if they can't find a way to play to their strength against you right or or if they don't or if they don't have the ability um, the tightness within their game to make adjustments yeah. like the, you know there's there's a there's a, a structure there's a freedom. There's a, I guess there's a, a control to the chaos. You know what I mean? Like when you get the pockets, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that you, that there's, there's freedom within the structure for, for guys to fill in in different areas. Um, and then when you get down by the goal, it's just, you know, just get the thing, you know, make, make your plays, but there's a, there is a control to the chaos and it is chaos, but if you can't, if another team, it doesn't have the ability to adjust. Now I tell you what, Mankato adjusts all the time. When we're playing them, it, it's constant cat and mouse, constant cat and mouse. You know, it, you know, sometimes shift to shift. Sometimes we're doing something with a line and trying something else with another line, and they're doing the same thing. And we're, we're both trying to see what sticks. We're throwing stuff up on the wall and seeing what sticks. I don't, I don't know if fun is the right word, but is that a more enjoyable game as a coach when you're you're having to adjust constantly like that? Uh, I wouldn't say it's more enjoyable. To be honest with you, I enjoy practices more than games. Like I, I enjoy, I enjoy getting the team ready to play. And then during the game, it's more observation. You know, it's more. It is. It's the that, that's all you're trying to do is have your mind sharp for the game to be able to see what's going on, and trying to stay uh, 
you know, trying to stay open-minded so that you don't sit after a game and say, we should have done that. Like, like I, I, that happened against St. Thomas. The last time we played him at St. Thomas, the last game, I, I wrote down in my notes, I was looking at it um, last, before I left recruiting last week, a, a note that I put down to put in their file, should have done this against St. Thomas. It never even dawned on me to do it. And we should have done something that would have, could have changed, could have changed the game, you know? So, so what do you think it is about, I think this is probably a good place to, to wrap up since we've had you for almost 90 minutes here, but what do you think it is about the team or how you play that it, it seemed like uh, that it was just, it's really hard for the, for the Huskies to, to put away a team like St. Thomas or Ferris this year. Uh, well, we didn't have trouble putting away Ferris the, the first time we played them. It was as the, it was as it went on, you know. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it was, um, you know, I think we beat them five one. Well, uh, now I take that back. Remember, they had three nothing in the first three period. nothing. Yeah, the three nothing. Everyone was angry. Oh, you 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 should. That read, was the worst. You want to go back and read our seen. Discord? You should you should check that out. That was fun. The whole year the whole year was over at three nothing at Ferris, and then a couple like, of us guys, were trying to stay it's, positive. It's it's, it's not it over better. yet. Yeah, it got better. Yeah. Um, but but in honesty, what it is is you know it's you know you players can't make up for good coaching or for bad coaching, and and good coaches can't make up for for bad players. It, it comes down to a combination of having the players um, and the players performing and progressing, and a lot of that is peeling back the the layers on the onion to you know so much of it's trying to get through as to, you know, why, you know, let's just stick to this. Just, just do that. You know, just do this all the time. You know, the, the good players are simple. You know, the good players are simple. Again, it's like Kobe Bryant. They know what they want to do. And they, there's one time I was watching a thing on uh, Nick Lindstrom and it was after he retired and he was sitting at this analytics conference and, and the, the analytics people said to him, do you know, uh, Nick, that you 93 point, whatever percent of the time you, you made the right play of the puck, no matter where it was, no matter where you got it on, got it on the ice, 93 point, whatever percent of the time he said, yep. Oh, so you study analytics. You, I mean, this is an analytics contract conference. Nope. Well, well can you explain how <laughs> he said, well, I, I watch it since I was young. I watch the game. I watch it when I'm on the bench. I watch players that do this and players. That do that. I watch what gets players in trouble and I watch what never gets players in trouble and I stick to what never gets players in trouble. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Tanner Carroll and, and uh, Alex Patan, those guys would do a dot lane drive line rush to nauseam. Like it couldn't be simple enough. And Jamie Phillips would get so mad. What am I ever going to see these three on those in a game? What am I ever going to see? And they could have done anything on those line rushes. And they did the same thing every cotton picking time and, and liked it. They liked the boredom of, doing the same thing over and over because that's what they're going to do in the game. And, but so many people fight the game. And I, I remember Kevin Luke, our, our basketball coach here to retire a year or so ago, I went and watched the game and we used to have coffee before COVID every morning. And I said, to him, Hey, hey Luca, can you, yeah, that one guy, that, that one number 44 there. And he made three straight layups under the basket and, and he was controlling it. And then he missed that one layup or that one uh, under the basket play, he missed the shot. And then he went out and he and then all of a sudden he started shooting those three pointers and jump shots from outside. 
why didn't he just stay under the basket? Why don't you just keep him under the basket? And Luca, that's the million dollar question. But there's so <laughs> many, there's so many athletes. I mean, he could have gone seven for eight under the basket, and he goes outside and he goes one for seven. But outside, there's athletes that they feel from out there. Everybody misses from out there. So I'm I'm just like everybody else from out there. And yes. they don't want to show that vulnerability of missing a shot from inside. You know what I mean? And so many hockey players are like that. We get, and that's why we want to recruit the guys that are past the stage where they're, they have the barriers that hold them back from performing, you know, they'll hold them back because um, th that's one thing I never had was barriers. And these guys got it. And the good ones don't have them. The good ones can simplify it, got a routine down, work the routine and, and perform. And that's what, that's the limiting factor. So why, you know, why, why is it takes, why is it so hard like that? That's why, because people overcomplicate it. They, they get the puck and sprint to the outside, you know, and like, Hey, listen, you're going to score goals from the inside, you know, stay inside, like make your, learn to make plays on the inside when you have the puck in there, don't take it back out and have to go through everybody all again. You know, when they let you inside with the puck, say, thank you, get, get the shot and then go fight for it and get it again and do it all over again. Second chance opportunities. So um, that that's what, when we get the players that have the mindset and, and we continue to grow as a coaching staff and continue to develop, that's really what the difference is. Mankato has really good players that can't get in the lineup. Draft picks, they can't get in the lineup. And if a guy can't play in Mankato, they don't even have to call Mike, Mike Hastings and say, you know, can you, an NHL guy, I mean, hey, what, why, what, can you tell me about this guy? All Mike would say is him, couldn't play here. And that's enough. That's all they need to know because, you know, they, they, they play a pro style game. You know what I mean? They play a pro style game. So yeah. um, get rid of those barriers, keep it simplified and don't complicate the game. Don't overcomplicate it. You know, it's, it's been played the same way for a hundred years. You know, first guy get the puck, second guy, or take the man, second guy get the puck, make plays, don't turn it over. You know, it's 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 a simple game. I'm very fortunate to be with my simple mind to be part of such a simple job. <laughs> so you said you talked to like Carl and and uh, Sandalin about non-conference. Have you had actually been able to to get anywhere on any other deals for the future for non-conference stuff? No, no. What we have right now is we have uh, Wisconsin coming in on the return date in two years. Um, we have. Robert Morris has a return date in two years um, because of when we went out there and they felt folded their program and now they're coming back. Um, Arizona State owes us a game here. That'll be, it, it, we aren't going to, that'll be in three years because we can't do it in two years. We're going there this year again um, to their, to their Christmas tournament or their new year's tournament thing right after the GLI. Do you, do you know um, who's in that with you? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Off the top of my head. I think I had, I had you guys, ASU, Army, and BU penciled in. Yeah, but there will be some good news coming out shortly on the GLI as well. So, um, oh, okay. But we'll let that be, we'll let that take its course. So, okay. Well, there's a trip to Fairbanks coming up too, right? You said? Yeah, we're going to do that uh, this, this coming up year. We're actually, I was just going back and forth with Eric Largent tonight because, um, the league, the league came out with the schedule and adjusted something. So we have the week after we're going to play that fair first or that uh, Fairbanks game and like the 14th of, uh, I think it's the 14th that weekend of 
October, the next weekend, we're opening up our league play. So we're going to try to go play there like on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so that it's the, the trip doesn't, you know, it isn't that crazy of a trip coming back, you know, that adjustment coming back. From so I actually got to take off three days of work to go yeah. watch you in Fairbanks now. Okay. <laughs> My wife might come too. She yeah, was I'm, I'm, that asking, she... I'm definitely asking that for a personal reason. I'm probably going to make that trip again. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I that's have a to. good time of year. I mean, they'll, they'll probably yeah. still have snow there. Um, but there's a chance that it won't be bad and you could take a drive. You know, I'd like to have a day between the games or go early or something and take the guys over by Mount McKinley and things. It's a nice drive. Yep. Yeah. We, we've done the drive up to Denali from, from Anchorage on the on times there and the yeah. drive out to the hot springs is also a neat one too. If you have yeah, time Gina, to go yeah. that way. Yep. Yeah. It is nice. Yeah. Swimming at negative 40 is an experience. <laughs> Last time I was there though, I got COVID. Oh, that's when I got it. Wow. Oh. All right. Yeah, it's it's always a good trip up there. And that's Britton, the guy that we the guy that we were hanging out with this weekend or last weekend out in Denver is, is he, he's he's very interested in that trip as well because now he doesn't live up there anymore. Yeah. So it's a it's a fun arena. We've had a good time when we've come up there. Yeah, it is. All right. That's well, actually, I think, one of my either second or third favorite places to watch hockey because of the balcony, how overlapped it is. You can see really well. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Joe. We really appreciate we you making time for us. We never about the Final Four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm off the hook on that one, eh? Yeah. Well, yeah. Mankato's taking it home, right? There you go. I hope so. No, I'd love yeah. to see it. I'd yeah, love to see it. That'd be great. Thanks, Joe. Okay, fellas. Yep, anytime. Yep, thank you. Anytime. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Dustin, it's nice to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah. These guys talk a lot. So. <laughs> I'm quiet. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yep, thank yep. you. So let's just get into the Frozen Four. Uh, the uh, the four teams left. We've got Michigan versus Denver in the early game. Minnesota State versus Minnesota in the late game on Thursday. Um, I saw on our lovely Discord that the late game is actually getting bumped back to ESPNU, I believe, because it's opening day for baseball thanks to the lockout. So they're going to have a MLB game on that night instead, which doesn't surprise me that much with that being opening day now. Uh, I think I went three for four on my frozen four, and the only thing I got wrong was being a homer in the region we attended, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious how mine looks. I have to look back at mine. I don't remember exactly what I put. But uh, wh- what do we think of the teams that got there, and what do we think is going to happen? Dustin, you, you've had you've had a lot of time to just uh, think for the last hour and a half. <laughs> um, I think it's going to end up being Mankato, Michigan in the championship game, yeah. which is kind of an easy one to pick when you're talking about they've been one two the entire year, right? Right. It's kind of feels like that's what we've been leading up to. Um, I, I think Mankato beats them this time. I think Mankato wins the championship. And Michigan beat Mankato earlier this season. And I think, I think Mankato beats them this time. I think it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the, the refs play a role in these three games, because I, you know, I think uh, Dave Ellis has been preaching this for a long time that, that Michigan style 
if they get refs from the you know the east coast or hockey east and like they could really be hampered by the way that it gets called more in the eastern style and i wouldn't be surprised if this this frozen four is completely refed by ecac and hockey east refs it makes sense that those are your two the two like groups that would be there right yeah i wouldn't be surprised if there's a nchc group and a and a ccha group just to have uh you know if denver or minnesota state lose that that's that they're the backup but i would guess you'd have ecac and hockey east doing most of this um Mm -hmm. so so that could play a pretty big role in this and i do think um now i i think it's i personally think whoever wins that that minnesota state minnesota game is probably gonna find a way to win the title because i just it just feels like the way michigan plays it is so like boom or bust that i have a hard time believing that they can do it twice more i was gonna say feast or famine but uh (laughs) yep no i I also think they're running into minnesota state that the trend the the different styles there will be a really good game to watch as well yeah. you know to see to see minnesota state's lockdown defensive style come up against michigan's running gun style i i think will be a, a real good game now my hope is that i follow my bracket because i still have a decent chance i've, I've got i've got uh, I'm, I'm going i'm going pretty well in mine <laughs> now my I, i'm i'm hoping my hope is to follow my bracket, right, and see Minnesota State play Denver. But I do, I, after watching some of the games, I have a feeling Michigan makes it past Denver at this point. Yeah, I, Denver certainly a team I think could beat Michigan, but I, like, the, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they will. I don't know. It all depends. It's it's hard to hard to say. I'm not good at this. I just think. I think Minnesota State wins. I mean, I picked them in my bracket I hope so. at the start. I really do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had them beating Michigan Tech for the fifth time in my bracket, but <laughs> literally the only thing I have gotten wrong in my entire bracket is Michigan Tech's run. Everything else is 100% correct so far. Uh, tech, <clears throat> I missed I missed Tech because I picked us to beat you know, Duluth and lose Denver. I missed the Quinnipiac not getting upset, and I missed uh, Western in Minnesota. Those are my three misses. What's we don't that? have a perfect. We don't have a perfect bracket left in the competition, though. Do you know that? Are we surprised? I'm not. No, but we have uh, quite a few that have just one mistake. One minute remaining in the podcast. Uh, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Uh, we've got a bunch of different levels. Uh, sign up for what you can afford. If you can't afford to become a patron, please go out and rate and review our podcast. That really helps us get up on the charts and listen to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast so we can get some more hits and and make it up on the charts. Um, if you can't find the podcast in your site, it's choice. Please let us know. We'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more we, more people we can reach to tell your friends. 
Uh, we haven't had a review in a, a while, so come on, guys. Give us a review. Dustin will read the review live on the podcast. And once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. And one final note, if you still want a gold cream or 100 season jersey, of which the 100 season jerseys, this is probably your last chance ever to get one because I can't imagine I'm going to hit the minimum ever again on that. Time to sign up now. Jerseys.techhockeyguide.com. That's it. I got enough to do. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha